You are Locked On Bills, your daily Buffalo Bills podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Bills Mafia? It's Joe Marino from the Draft Network, and I'm your host of Locked On Bills. Happy Thursday to you. Thank you for making Locked On Bills your first listen every day. Today on the podcast, we are going to have our crossover preview. And in just a moment, I'll be joined by Tyler Rowland of Locked On Titans to gain perspective from the Tennessee side of things for Monday Night Football and, of course, the questions that he had for me. So that is coming your way in just a moment. But first, how about that Buffalo Bills first-round pick, Gregory Rousseau, named AFC Defensive player of the week for his performance against Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. Of course, he registered a tackle for loss, a sack, pass breakup, that big-time interception, and five tackles on the night. He was instrumental in that Buffalo Bills win. And you know somewhere Brandon Bean has fired up a cigar and he is smiling ear-to-ear over his first-round draft pick and how much he talked about the need to affect Patrick Mahomes and Rousseau was kind of this hand-selected player to go help the Bills do that. And not only does he do just that, but the NFL gives him the honors of being named AFC Defensive Player of the Week. This marks the second time in the history of the Buffalo Bills that a rookie was named AFC Defensive Player of the Week. The other time that it happened was in Week 16, of the 1987 season where Cornelius Bennett took home the hardware. And for the second consecutive week, the Buffalo Bills had the AFC Defensive Player of the Week, of course, Tremaine Edmonds winning it for his performance in Week 4 against the Houston Texans. Real quick, the Bills named their protected practice squad players. It's the same three that it has been every week since Week 1. Jamil Douglas, Cam Lewis, and Josh Thomas. Today's episode is brought to you by Rock Auto, a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questions like, is your Odyssey an LX or an EX, and wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing the only brand their warehouse happens to carry. You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and right in your pocket. Save time and save money when using Rock Auto. Why would you choose to spend 30%, 50%, even 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or a car dealership? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Make sure you write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you. They have amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all the parts your car will ever need over at rockauto.com. It is another crossover Thursday conversation, folks. We have made it all the way to week six. It's kind of crazy to say that, but the football season is chugging along. There's a big matchup on Monday Night Football this week between the Tennessee Titans and the Buffalo Bills. Uh, These teams have been playoff teams the last few years, and while the Titans are struggling, the Bills are definitely 
playing some of the best football in the NFL. So it'll be exciting to break down this matchup for you guys. And while his face may not be up on the screen for the YouTube crowd, we do have the lovely voice of Joe Marino from Locked on Bills. I am Tyler Rowland from Locked on Titans. So let's get this crossover Thursday conversation going. Joe, happy to have you on. Happy to have this conversation. My first question for you is, quickly, and impromptu, I didn't send this one over beforehand, mm. how much motivation do you think that the Bills will have to avenge their 42-16 to loss from last year? Yeah, I think that's going to be a big piece of it, Tyler. And, mm-hmm. and Sean McDermott's already referenced it when he mm-hmm. was asked about the the turnover from moving out of the Kansas City game. Obviously, a delay there that pushed the second half like an hour and fifteen minutes later than expected. Right. You know, the next day they're asking him about how much sleep he got the night before, and he said he got off the plane and went to the office, and he mentioned specifically that. You know, this is a team that beat us last year, and mm-hmm. it was a pretty convincing win, if I'm not mistaken, like 42 yep. to 17. And yep, it was a funky game with how many times it was like rescheduled, and Tennessee had a bunch of COVID issues, and yes, it was it was a really strange game. But I I think the Titans did a really good job of embracing that moment because let's face it, I'm sure you can go back in time and remember that. The NFL, like everybody was mad at Tennessee last year. Yes, right? Like it was I they do were, remember. And so credit to Mike Vrabel and company for rallying the troops and using that uh, as motivation in my mind to go out and rally and, and beat Buffalo. Uh only lost three games last year, one of them to Tennessee right. and that and that um was it two Tuesday afternoon or something like that. It was yeah, really it was a Tuesday game. Yeah, yeah. very strange. So, yeah, it was a weird one. And I think a lot of that probably contributed to uh to the performance that the Bills had, so hard to fault them for that. But uh, I figured that the Bills would would have that marked on the calendar. They want some revenge, and it only makes sense that they would. But we'll dive into more game-specific conversation here. My first question for you is about the Bills' offense. And everybody wants to talk about Josh Allen, and I do just want to reference for the Buffalo fans, Josh Allen was my QB1 in his draft class. So I've been on him all along, and I like watching him play. Uh, Saw him at the Combine and was just amazed. But Josh Josh Allen is not my first question. My first question is about the running game for the Buffalo Bills. So last year, 20th in the NFL, 107 yards per game on the ground. This year, vaulted all the way up to the top five, fifth in the NFL, 140 rushing yards per game. Is, Is that a product of game script and being up so much, or do you think this Buffalo Bills running attack is improved? I think it's probably a little bit of both. You can't, you can't deny that the game script definitely plays into it because they've had such convincing leads late in the game and you know, they're running the football and we know that the bills in neutral game situations are one of the most pass aggressive teams in the NFL. So game script, I do think has a lot to do with the volume component of the statistic, but you know, this was a big talking point for the bills this off season, right? Everybody was so excited about Josh Allen and the passing game and figured the defense would play better, but did they have the rushing attack, right? When you're talking playoff football, you got to be able to run the football. And so that was a big narrative this offseason. And so many people were curious what Brandon Bean, the Bills general manager, was going to do about it. Was he going to draft a running back in the first round? Or, you know, what was the plan? Well, they really didn't make any personnel changes. It's it's the same two running backs, Zach, Zach Moss and Devin Singletary. Right. Um, but here's what I think is contributing to the Bills running the football significantly better this year number one is you do have the emergence of Zach Moss who was a rookie last year and he had a tough rookie season starting with turf toe 
right away. And so we all know the dynamics of last year, not a very normal offseason. And so you're talking about a rookie running back that you want to be a feature part of your offense, and he gets turf toe, you know, week one. And so that really put him behind. Um, And then the offensive line has stabilized. Last year, the Bills were really good at tackle with Deion Dawkins and Darrell Williams. But the middle three players, there were so many injuries, and they kept on switching around the combinations. And I think that contributed poorly to – the Bills rushing attack. And then they also had this shift where in 2019, they were a gap blocking scheme. In 2020, they became more of a zone blocking scheme. And I'll be honest with you, mm. hindsight's 2020, but it was probably not the right off season to, uh, to implement that type of a shift. And then right. you, you look at this group this year, and it's a lot more of a balanced attack in terms of zone and, and gap runs. So when you factor in the emergence of Zach Moss, a healthy and stabilized offensive line, the scheme normalizing and being what they want it to be, and the emphasis that is there that the Bills want to be a two-dimensional offense, there's a more of a priority to run the football. So I think all of that's working together to see the Bills run the football a lot more effectively than they did last year. Well, it's going to make uh, the offense even that much more dangerous. And uh, one place where the offense isn't as dangerous if as we have seen, at least compared to last year, talked about a positive note, but I do want to talk about a a strange note here. The Bills right now are struggling as a red zone offense. They're 24th in the NFL, scoring touchdowns on 58.3% of their red zone opportunities. Why are they struggling there early on, or is that just a misleading stat and they're actually not struggling? No, I I think it's, it's not misleading at all. They haven't been a great red zone offense to this point. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, I think part of that stems from not needing to really force anything. You've, you've had good leads. You've been able to have big plays. And so, you know, you're, you're trying to finish drives with kicks, right? You don't want to have turnovers or anything like that. So I think like we've talked about game script a couple of times here, I do think that plays into it, but I mean, the bills have all the ingredients to be a really outstanding red zone offense, starting with Josh Allen, his dual threat ability, his size, his ability to run, you know, that creates a lot of problems in the red zone. Um, you have wide receivers that excel at creating separation, and you have the emergence of Dawson Knox at tight end. And so all of that would suggest that the the conversions in the red zone are coming. I mean, the Bills are eighth in total offense, first in scoring, right? That's the objective to score points. You know, they're they're certainly doing that as you know better than anyone in the NFL right now. So <laughs> right. The, the thing that I've been saying on Locked On Bills about the Bills offense is that there's plenty of meat left on the bone. And so when you're mm-hmm. looking for reasons why this team can continue to play at a high level and evolve and maybe even play better. It's because I don't think their offense has hit their stride. And I do think this red zone statistic that you brought up here does give some evidence in just an area where, Hey, they they could score a lot more points than they are only 24th in the NFL right now, converting red zone opportunities to touchdowns. Yeah, so Bills fans, get excited. It could get even better. But from the Titans' perspective, that's an area where they got to hope that that can keep them in the game if they can force the Bills into field goals and not let them get out to that early lead. But on the defensive side of the ball, the Bills' defense has been the best defense in the NFL, probably at least definitely in points per game. They're only allowing 12.8 points per game right now. That's incredible. But they have played some less-than-stellar offenses Pittsburgh, Washington, Houston, Miami. Again, the question, how real is the defense? Is this is this a product of playing poor offenses early on, or do you think that the Bills' defense just is this good? Well, I'm not sure 
the level of play that they've had is sustainable, right? I think we're, mm-hmm. if they were to continue this pace, we're talking about a historically great defense, right? Like the Ravens right. and Buccaneers type oh, thing. Right. I'm never willing to predict that to happen, Tyler. I don't think anybody that's uh, objective and knows football and, and understands that you never count on being the exception, you know, right. that's going to get you in trouble. But I do think that this team having a stellar defense, a top-tier NFL defense, is really real. You know, you mentioned the schedule, and there's a lot you can say about it. Mm-hmm. I do think you put a lot of emphasis on the Kansas City game, right? The, the game they yeah. just played where they held Kansas City to 20 points, and they were averaging 33 and a half for the season prior to that game. You held them two touchdowns right. under their average. Uh, talk about red zone defense. The Bills are really good in that area. Uh, they held Kansas City to mm-hmm. 205 in the red zone, and the Chiefs were 80% scoring touchdowns in the red zone entering that game. They held the Chiefs to five of 13 on third and fourth downs, and they were 64% on the year entering the game. I mean, Patrick Mahomes, 54 passing attempts, 272 yards. I mean, that is not good production throwing the football. The big plays weren't there for Kansas City. He had one completion over 20 yards, and it was to Miko Hardman on 26-yard completion that I would um, I would suggest was not a catch, but it, it, it uh, was reversed. And they did right. that without Matt Milano, who – probably was their defensive MVP for the first mm-hmm. four games of the season. Another number that I got to bring up is they held the the Chiefs to only two touchdowns and 11 drives. Entering that game, they had 17 touchdowns and 33 drives, which is above 50%. So you, you could talk about that soft offensive schedule early in the season, but the fact that they carried it into Kansas City on the road really does speak to where I think this defense is. And then if I could just slide one more thing in here, the mm-hmm. Bills' defense has been good. In 2018, yeah. they were number two in the NFL. In 2019, mm-hmm. they were number three. In 2020, last year, they were number 14. And I think that was really more to do with injuries at linebacker, they had injuries at corner. I mean, going back to the Tennessee game last year, they didn't have Trey White. Uh, and, right. uh, you know, Levi Wallace was banged up at times. Josh Norman was banged up at time, And the defensive line rotation wasn't close to what it is this year. And so, you know, they're number one in scoring, like you mentioned, 12.8 points per game, number one in yards, 252 yards per game. And the last thing that I'll say about the schedule is that other teams played the teams that the Bills beat. And the margins and the success, they weren't the same. Yeah, no, you're 100% right. And the last thing that you hit on there at the end of your answer is the very last question that I want to ask you. And it's uh, not as much of a question, more uh, just want to want you to tell the people listening, especially the Titans fans, about this Bills defensive line, because I think that's really um, an improved unit and one of the most devastatingly deep units in the NFL. The Bills have the third best run defense in the league. They're getting to the quarterback, and I think a lot of it has to do with the defensive line. They're like eight deep on the D-line, so just talk a little bit about that defensive line, and and then uh, I'll get us into putting me on the hot seat and answering some questions. Yeah, Tyler, they're actually rostering 11 defensive linemen, and they play, they dress nine of them every single week, and they play them in waves. You know, that's something that the Bills really believe in is a rotation up front. And so, you know, if you got your veterans and Jerry Hughes and Mario Addison, who have been, you know, very consistent players in the NFL, but what they've done is they've brought in this young talent that allows those players to only have to be fresh on the money downs, right? So you have Gregory Rousseau, the first-round pick, who's really been good, the AFC Incredible. Defensive yeah. Player of the Week this past year. Um, A.J. Epinesa, second-round pick from last year out of Iowa. He brings a, a, a really interesting skill set. He's long-armed and heavy hands, but he dropped like 30 pounds. I don't know if you guys remember from Iowa. It's like 280 pounds. He's down to like yeah. 250 now. 
and he's got a lot of speed. In fact, I think it, based mm-hmm. on the ESPN Next Gen statistics, he has the fastest uh, get off in the NFL in terms of snap to crossing the 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 line of scrimmage, which is right. something I did not expect to be a true statement about AJ Epinesa. Boogie Basham's working in; he's a second round pick that they had this past year, and you know they they drafted Rousseau and Basham back to back to really give this defensive line a boost, but also to allow Hughes and Addison to play less, right? And, and keep mm-hmm. them them fresher now that they're into their 30s. And then you can't forget F.A. Obata, who they signed from the Carolina Panthers. A uh, ton of length and untapped potential there to go with Ed Oliver and Starla Tulele and Justin Zimmer. So a lot of names, and, and, I, and I, I'm not going to sit here and tell you everything about every one of them, but they play them all. They always have fresh bodies, and getting after the quarterback – was paramount in the eyes of Brandon Bean in, in assembling this roster to, you know, not stall out in, in the AFC championship game uh, this time around should they get back there. Yeah, you're going to have to have waves of waves of bodies yeah. to ultimately probably try to take down uh, Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs, which they've proven they have the ability to do. So we are going to move forward. I'm going to answer some questions from Joe about the Titans. Before we do, just want to remind you guys about betonline.ag, the number one spot for all your pro and college football betting action this fall. They have a brand new updated site with a new interface, even more odds, props, and contests than ever before. Make sure that you head to their website. You can use your laptop or your mobile device. Sign up. Use the promo code Locked On and you'll get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit, literally giving you free money at betonline.ag when you use that promo code locked on. Once again, that's promo code locked on at betonline.ag. BetOnline, where the game starts. Joe Marino of Locked On Bills joined by Tyler Rowland of Locked On Titans. And I'm interested in getting your perspective on this team, Tyler. Um it's it's a tough team to gauge. You know, I did a lot of work on them yesterday for Locked On Bills previewing mm-hmm. the Titans and between the injuries and some new coaching and, and all that, it's just it's a, it's a tough team to gauge. So I'm, I'm really interested in your thoughts here. Let's start with Ryan Tannehill, who has not played to the level he showed in 2019 or 2020. But I mean, given the change in offensive coordinator injuries at receiver, new pieces around him, you know, it's understandable to me. So with it difficult to make any firm claims about this passing game based on what we've saw through five games, what do you think Tennessee wants to be offensively, particularly in the passing game? You know, should everyone be healthy and how you expect them to attack the Bills through the air on Sunday or Monday night, excuse me? Right, Monday night. Uh, I, I think they want to create space for their yards after catch weapons. I think uh, a guy like A.J. Brown, they want to do what they've been doing the last few years, get him the ball over the middle of the field, get him the ball on the sidelines with a one-on-one matchup against a defensive back after he's caught the ball and allow him to use all of his skill set to get down the field and make explosive plays. I think they've shown in the Seattle game, especially in the first half, they were able to hit Julio Jones on a few deep explosive pass plays past 20 yards. So I think the the idea is they want to replace what Corey Davis did last year with a guy like Julio Jones, and that should take the passing game to a new level. But I think ultimately they want to do similar things that they've done the previous two years, but it's been difficult for the things that you said. The Titans lead the NFL in sacks allowed right now with 20. Last year, the Titans only had 24 sacks the entire season. So through five games, they've almost eclipsed their sack total from last year. That makes it impossible for a guy like Ryan Tannehill, who doesn't have very good pocket awareness, isn't very 
people look at his mobility, and he is mobile, but he is not a scrambler. He definitely struggles finding space in the pocket. So Ryan Tannehill is only going to have the success that you want him to have if you keep him clean, and the Titans have not been able to do that. He's missed a few reads. He's getting happy feet in the pocket. But I think overall, he's done the best that he can. We talked about the offensive line, but it's also the weapons, as you mentioned. The Titans have basically had an XFL wide receiver core for a few weeks with A.J. Brown and Julio Jones being out. A.J. Brown played last week against Jacksonville, but was on a limited snap count. So only saw him throughout the game and in certain spots. I think if the Titans can get Julio Jones back, can get A.J. Brown back, and can protect Ryan Tannehill a little bit more, we will see a passing game for Ryan Tannehill similar to what we saw in 2019, in 2020. Personally, as for the offensive coordinator, I think Todd Downing allows the Titans to have a more diverse passing game. He definitely focuses on matchups, getting a tight end uh, one-on-one on one side of the field, getting A.J. Brown one-on-one on one side of the field. He adds in more RPO elements to the passing game, and I think he's a more creative passing route designer, his route concepts. I think they're more creative than what Arthur Smith does, but they're not going to be as effective if you don't protect Ryan Tannehill. So I think ultimately when you're giving up four sacks every single game, your passing offense is not going to be able to have any semblance of success. So that's the big issue, but I think the Titans passing game ultimately wants to be what it's been before and hoping that replacing Corey Davis with a Julio Jones will make them more explosive, but we haven't really gotten to see all of those parts together through five games. Yeah, I mean, that's, I guess, what's probably been most disappointing for Titans fans is not really getting to see that trio of Julio Jones, A.J. Brown, mm-hmm. Derrick Henry working together with a, you know, a, a good quarterback in Ryan Tannehill behind what we thought would be a better offensive line. So maybe we can right. we can go there. You mentioned the... The sacks, right, 10.4% of his dropbacks, 20 sacks mm-hmm. in five games, only 24 times last season. I'm guessing Taylor Luan still not quite healthy with that knee injury or still working back at mm-hmm. least. Probably the biggest disappointment, though, Nate Davis at right guard. So um, I think there's, a, there's, there's room for this group to get better, right? These are better right. players than they've been. They've shown mm-hmm. they can be better players. So maybe break down this offensive line a little bit and and what you think is necessary for it to start coming together and give this, this offense really a chance to do what it wants to do. Sure, and I think that's the most disappointing thing about the Titans' season so far. Everybody, it's a narrative that the Titans' defense stinks. I don't think that I think the defense is improved. I think that the Titans' defense has improved for what the Titans' coaching staff and the organization wanted. What people didn't expect was the offensive line to crater yeah. in the way that it is, especially when you consider that the Titans have four starters back from their offensive line the last two years. They only replaced David Questenberry, and through the first five weeks of the season, despite a terrible game against John Franklin Myers in the Jets, Questenberry has been their best and most consistent offensive lineman. So if you told me coming into the season that the Titans would have all five of their starters for the majority of the time, and that Questenberry would be the strongest link, I would say the Titans' offensive line is mauling people, but it's just not what's happened. Uh, Taylor Lewan has struggled coming back from ACL. Obviously, we've seen that usually that second year back from ACL is when guys really get back to themselves. But Taylor Lewan had his best game of the season against Josh Allen for a lot of the time against Jacksonville last week. So you got to have hope that he's getting things back together. And Nate Davis, who got some all-pro votes, Last year at right guard, he has just fallen off a cliff. He has the most pressures allowed 
for the Titans offensive line by an individual player. And from my perspective, and it's hard to know when you're not in the building and you're looking, he just looks a little heavy on his feet this year. Uh, he did have a bout with COVID uh, early in or during the preseason where him and the starting center, Ben Jones, were both out for 10 full days. They missed preseason reps. They missed training camp reps. The Titans' full starting offense never took a rep together in practice or in preseason uh, during that time. So I think that has caused them to have some problems because the things that they're struggling with in pass protection are stunts and games and twists where it requires a lot of communication, a lot of practice early in the week. It's not just a one-on-one rush situation where you got to, you know, bow your neck and hold firm. you got to pass off these games and these stunts, and they're not doing a good job of passing those things off. And and they're not doing a good job of sliding the correct way, which goes to the offensive coordinator, the quarterback, and the center when you're talking about sliding protection one way or the other, how you're going to pass off blitzes and take those things on. So the communication aspect and the speed at which they deal with these blitzes and these twists and these stunts up front, that needs to improve. But in my opinion, that's something that can improve throughout the season. These guys aren't just bad players who need to be right. replaced. They're solid players who are struggling with the fundamentals, struggling with the preparation before in the communication. So hopefully as the season goes and they get more time together, that can improve. But that's the big struggle right now with the offensive line, specifically in pass protection. I got to ask a question about Derrick Henry, right? That's sure. Tennessee Titans, Derrick Henry. That's kind of the thing, right? And he's having a great year. Um, 142 mm-hmm. rushing attempts already through five games. Nobody else in the Titans has more than eight. I mean, this is the Derrick Henry show when it comes to the yep. Titans' outstanding rushing attack. So um, just your overall thoughts first on Henry and that amount of carries in a 17-game season, but also I know the Bills didn't beat Tennessee last year, but I wouldn't say that Derrick Henry was a big reason why they won that football game. It was the lowest rushing output that he had of the season, 19 mm-hmm. carries, 57 yards. They played him in 2019, held him to 78 yards on 20 carries and 11 uh, rushes, 56 yards in 2018. So for all the success that Derrick Henry has had in the NFL, many people think he's the best running back in the game. Nobody wants to play this guy. I feel like the Bills have been able to, to manage him fairly well. So I guess the, the two parts are there. What can be different this time around for Derrick Henry to have more success against an improved Bills defense? And two, can Derrick Henry really sustain this level of uh, this volume of carries throughout the course of a season? It's funny, Joe, our conversation's coming full circle in a multitude of ways. So number one, I think that we've talked a lot, especially during the Bills segment, about game script. I think last year against the Bills, the Titans got some turnovers early. They were able to get an early lead in that game, and that's an opportunity to rest Derrick Henry. So I think some of the lack of success in the run game last year, obviously the Bills are a good defense, but the Titans didn't really need to run the ball down their throat with Derrick Henry. They could spell him, use some other guys do some other things because they got out to an early lead. But the other part I want to bring up here is you talked about anybody whose objective would not say, oh, this is the exception to a constant rule. Well, I got to be honest, Joe. I've been on your side. The Titans can't keep up this workload for Derrick Henry. The curse of 370. He went over 370 touches last year, and historically that has ruined guys the next season afterwards. Well, I think at some point, not just the Titans fans and the Titans followers, but everyone around the league may just have to take a step back and say, okay, this guy is the exception. He's a unicorn. He's a Hall of Fame running back, maybe one of the top five, top ten running backs to ever live. I, I think we're getting to that point. And, and while I think it is ridiculous the, the, the rate that he is at right now in terms of carries, in terms of workload, 
it just appears that if anybody could break the mold and be the exception, it's yeah. Derrick Henry. He's been the exception every single year of his life since he was about 14 years old and probably before that, but they just don't track the middle school stats like they do high school football. So <laughs> I, while I agree with you, this workload seems insane. I think the easy answer is the simplest answer. Derrick Henry might just be an all-time freak and he can handle it. Well, I mean, he's got the size and speed that doesn't make sense. Why can't he right. carry the ball this right. often for this long? Uh, got to sneak one in about the defense here. Mm-hmm. As we've kind of referenced, a lot of changes for the Titans defense this past offseason, and I think they've really tried over the last several years to get the right mix of personnel and, and coaching, right, that, that they mm-hmm. like on that side of the football. I, like I said, I researched this team a lot yesterday, and I had a hard time figuring out who is going to play and what what role they're going to play just on based on sure. how many injuries they have. So tell us about this unit. What do they do well? Where do they need to improve? And, you know, like who is and is not going to play? Yeah, so I think the strength of the defense is now the defensive line, which it should be. I talked all all season about the reallocation of resources on defense. The Titans cut both their starting corners. They cut a starting safety in Kenny Vaccaro. They took that money. They gave it to Bud Dupree, who really has made zero impact early on, but I think a lot of people in the national media expected that, and I was skeptical of the signing as well because you're given $16.5 million guaranteed for over the course of two seasons for $35 million to a guy coming off an ACL who was the fourth-best pass rusher on his own team. But besides that, uh, Jeffrey Simmons up front is a name that Bills fans have to know. He's one of the best interior defensive linemen in the NFL. He wrecked shop against the Jaguars. Now, the Jaguars are a different uh, level of team than the Bills, but Jeffrey Simmons seems to have some good success against whoever he's going against. Harold Landry, the edge rusher, has been absolutely fantastic. He has the most pressures in the NFL this year, the only rusher in the NFL with five pressures in every single game so far. So Harold Landry and Jeffrey Simmons up front have been um, causing some havoc for offenses, and it's allowed the Titans' defense to be better, quite frankly, because I'm a guy who believes philosophically that the pass rush overall as a unit is more important than your coverage. I think the pass rush can benefit the coverage more than the other way around. Some people disagree with that philosophy, but hey, that's why football teams can win with different styles. But for me, they put the resources in the defensive line. Danico Autry up front has been fantastic. He was amazing against his former team, the Indianapolis Colts, and really helped the Titans win that game. So the the defensive line has been a lot better for the Titans. While there are some issues in in the coverage unit because starting free safety Amani Hooker is out, Kevin Byard is returned to his his all pro form. He's the number one rated safety uh, per pro football focus in the NFL through three weeks. He's playing back to his all pro levels, so that's great for the Titans. Christian Bolton, a second year cornerback out of LSU, has stepped up and become their number one cornerback, who's really uh, held some guys down. A guy like DK Metcalf, he completely shut off the water on DK Metcalf in week two. So uh, you have those names that I think you really should focus on. Fulton and Byard, Simmons and Landry. Those are the playmakers for the Titans. Uh, If you can protect long enough to give your wide receivers a chance to get in those scramble situations, you attack a guy like Jackrabbit Jenkins, who's in his 30s, who is a good corner, but he's not going to be able to plaster a wide receiver for five to six seconds. And the Titans have been attacked uh, when they let the quarterback outside of the pocket to make second reaction plays because Jackrabbit just can't hold up for that long. Also, you can really take advantage of the Titans linebacker group, their off-ball linebacker group, Rashawn Evans, David Long, 
they're just very over-aggressive. They're undisciplined players, and while they fly around and make some big hits here and there, a lot of times they're going to overrun their gap and run fit. They're going to be distracted by motion or formation shifts. So if I'm the Bills, I'm looking to attack over the middle of the field, use motion at the snap to try to confuse the Titans' off-ball linebackers, and that should open up the entire game for them. Sounds like a uh, a situation that's sets up well for Buffalo. Some of the the stuff that you had mentioned there. Uh, yeah, I'm I picking Buffalo are... to win the game. I think <laughs> early on predictions. Yeah. I think I might be going with Buffalo in this one. There are just too many ways to attack, and the strength on strength it just doesn't line up well for the Titans, quite frankly. Yeah, and I, I think the best thing for Tennessee is obviously you can you can control football games with Derrick Henry, and that that matters mm-hmm. a lot. But it's it's about it's about those guys that you mentioned, those guys that can be difference makers in Jeffrey Simmons, in Kevin Byard, in Harold Landry. Those guys really meeting this moment. And, and you know, they have a lot to they're going to have a lot to say about this game. And, and if they can make an impact to their, you know, their highest levels, I think that's going to be really important to get that complimentary pressure on Josh Allen. And then obviously a ball hawk like Kevin Byard. I think I think it's the run game with Derrick Henry and those three dudes on defense really meeting the call. And Man, I love Christian Fulton at LSU. Man, he was he was uh, he had a first round grade on him. So uh, I was yeah, if disappointed. Yeah, he healthy. He's going to be excellent, right? And he didn't have much of a role last year, and so I was excited to see him get a little bit more going this year and, and play well yep. so far. All right, folks, that's going to do it for us here today on the podcast. Tomorrow is Friday, but since the Bills are playing on Monday Night Football, I have the opportunity to do a different type of show concept. So I'm gonna do a three-segment podcast for you tomorrow that's going to cover a variety of topics regarding the Buffalo Bills, and then we will talk to Dr. Kyle Trimble of Banged Up Bills, and I'll give you my predictions and all that stuff on Monday uh, for the Monday podcast before Monday Night Football, and then you'll get, obviously, the, the Tuesday podcast will be the game recap. So a little bit of a different week for us this time around with the Bills playing on Monday Night Football, and then, of course, they have the bye week, and I have a ton of great content lined up for you during the bye week. We're not going anywhere. We're still five days a week, maybe six. Who knows? Let's have some fun here talking about a really fun football team in the Buffalo Bills. So I'll be back again for you tomorrow. Don't miss it. Make sure you're subscribed, rate, review, and share the podcast. Have a great day, and I look forward to our conversation tomorrow.